are your top one or two assets? I always like to just Well, welcome. Today we have Lauren Lolo Spencer in the house. <laughs> welcome to the podcast. Um, her pronouns are she and her. Um, if you don't know, she is an actress, model, voiceover artist, social media influencer. <laughs> she was <laughs> nominated for the Indie Spirit Award for the film Give Me Liberty. Yes. Funny great character um she plays currently the character of jocelyn on the sex lives of college girls on hbo yes and she is the voice of jasmine in disney jr's animated series firebuds yes and <laughs> the reason she's on this podcast because she is an entrepreneur and she is slaying it we want to talk Thank about you. that <laughs> yes welcome 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 so I want to start off with um, we talk, you know, we're not we don't do we're not going to do heavy finances here, of course. Right. But right. I, I want to talk about assets and liabilities. So, okay. from the perspective of accounting, the balance sheet is one of the key financial statements. Assets right. minus liabilities equals net worth. And so, I want to ask you first: What are your top one or two assets that I actually own now? No, no, just ask it as a person, personally. Oh, personally. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. nice. I love that. I'm like, that's a better question because I'm like, I'm working on getting these assets. You know what I mean? <laughs> personally, what would you say your personal yes? Um, personally, you know, I would definitely say like, one of them is my personality. Just the fact that I'm such an extrovert. I don't know if it's by fault or not, but uh, definitely just being... Um, an extrovert, enjoying conversation, enjoying meeting new people um, because of my personality. You know, it's allowed me to remain memorable when I meet people, which a lot of times has gotten me a lot of the jobs that I do get in all of the different fields of my work is because they just remember, oh, Lolo's so much fun to work with. We want to work with her again. Um, or I remember I met Lolo here and she seems like a great person I wonder if she'd be interested in this or like they'll read a uh they'll watch like an interview that I did and be interested in booking me in that way so I would definitely say my personality would be one and then um another one I would say is just just my willingness and ability to pivot in my career mm. because yeah. what I've learned from like having conversations with other people and then how I apply it to my own life is that I've realized like a lot of people because they have like these dreams and these passions they're so stuck in tunnel vision on just that one dream and that passion and it happening like a specific way they found it in their head mm. whereas for me what I do is I become focused on one passion and if for whatever reason, an opportunity presents itself that would, you know, um, kind of turn me in a different direction, I'm still open to taking that opportunity, even though it doesn't look like the original vision for the plan, because at the end of the day, all of it ends up playing into the overall vision anyway. So right. being able to exercise new opportunities 
and learning how to pivot, I would say, and then my personality would all be my assets personally. Amazing assets. Yes. Just seeing you in business, a pivot part is key. It's so important to be because if you get stuck, you'll feel like you're failing or it's not working out. Exactly. But then they'll be like, well, we'll give you the $5,000 you need for said business. We just need you to show up to this party. And it's like, well, and then it was like, well, I'm not the type to go up to parties. It's like, okay, well, then you finna miss out on your five grand. Like, what are, <laughs> what are we doing here? What do you want? Like, you know? What do you want? Right, right, right. Do you want it? Uh, good. So let's shift to liabilities. I'm not going to ask you what your liabilities are. We're not highlighting that at all. But okay, um, okay. what I want to talk about the intersection of who you are. Um, so if someone sees you physically, they just come to see you. They see a woman, yeah. they see a black person, they see a person in a wheelchair. Mm-hmm. And some people might, uh, some people might see a person with a disability and assume that it's a liability. Correct. Right? So my question is with people's narratives or assumptions about disabilities, how do you, or any of it, but disabilities specifically, how do you reframe that to bring together all aspects of yourself and present the essence of who you are? Well, I, I focus on those things. Like I really choose to highlight like the humanity of who I am. Um, and let that part of me shine. So that way it's like, oh, I met this girl, Lolo, who just so happens to be a wheelchair user or just so happens Mm -hmm. to be a person with a disability. I think the challenge with that though is the social conditioning around the narrative of people with disabilities and recognizing that it's bigger than just me and I'm doing my part. I feel like in the content that I choose to involve myself with, the projects that I choose to involve myself with, or the content I create on my own on social media, like I'm doing my part to dispel that narrative. But it is something that will take a an entire social deconditioning to get to that space of people seeing the humanity before the disability. But as people interact or come across people with disabilities, I always like to just encourage them to remember that they're human first. Like Mm -hmm. you're, everyone gets so distracted, especially if it's a visible disability, everyone gets so distracted by the device that someone may be using and then creating a narrative around the device, which is why people would assume that having a disability is a liability. Yes, to a degree it is, right? There are just certain limitations. Mm -hmm. Accessibility in buildings, accessibility in restrooms and clothing stores and different things of that nature, right? However, aside from just like anything else, if there's something that appears to be a limitation as humans, we adapt. Right. So find the ways to make it work. And people, I don't think give disabled people enough credit for ways Mm -hmm. we've been able to find to make our lives work and be fruitful. Mm Mm-hmm. And instead just want to diminish it down to the device or what they see, because for many reasons, conditioning mainly, people don't know how to think outside (laughs) of that. And so I just feel like with the content that I create, the projects that I choose, and then just, again, like letting my personality shine that 
it has played a major role in people seeing my humanity first and then disability second. And then they take that and apply it to anyone new that they come across who have. Mm. Yeah, it's been, and it's been great when you see people, um, I forget the other show, this is another show on Netflix that um, is a guy with a disability that it it's just central to who we are as humans and what we see in yeah. the world, but someone has a narrative that they don't see it. So they don't create the story. Correct in there so when you see it it's to me it's a breath of fresh air but it's um it's gonna take a whole social cycle it's a whole thing everybody's got to get on board everyone's got to understand it it it, it's truly 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 like a societal deconditioning right process that has to happen because a lot of content hasn't been made for people with disabilities because so many people are afraid to do it wrong. It's like they can get it wrong with other social groups, right? Mm, because, mm-hmm. you know, um, there isn't as much of an intimidation. People think that they can relate, right? But it's uh, interesting. Yeah, like, okay. like they feel like with other social groups, they can find a commonality in those people's humanity and create something. Whereas okay. with disability, people don't want to find a commonality with someone who's disabled because the fear of being a person Ooh. with a disability is haunting everyone who doesn't have a disability yet. Yeah, oh, that's good. I mean, I never, I thought about it, I never thought about it that way, but yeah. That's, yeah. that's like one of the major things. So people are scared to touch it because they don't even want to like put it in their brains. <laughs> happen to them one day and it's like well at the end of the day it can so but when we think about it from the humanity perspective which I know we're going to get into which is one of the reasons why I launched my lifestyle brand live solo is for that opportunity and that place and having resources for people to go to when it is their time to have a disability because everyone is going to experience disability whether it's acquired temporary or they just grow old mm-hmm. into it everyone's going to experience disability within their lifetime so knowing that that's going to happen we should be thinking about how do we make life for people with disabilities best because we're all going to experience it one day like people mm-hmm. can't know what it's like to be a black person People can't just know what it's like to be a woman, right? Right, right. You have to have these experiences like inherently in many ways. And so disability is the only group of people that literally, no matter what social class, money, area in the world you live in, gender, age, weight, whatever, Mm -hmm. all of that, anybody can become a person with a disability and everybody is like you cannot yeah. say well there isn't a person who's disabled that is rich and white and da-da-da. no there is like yeah. everyone is literally every single person is so it's like let's start focusing on the humanity now well, let, let me ask you this I love that let me ask you how do you do you feel the weight of it at all or as an activist someone who's who's speaking about this in this way with live solo but also do you how do you how do you initially respond with the awkwardness when you see in someone's eyes the question of the device and I see yeah, you like yeah. do you like like I'm used to this are you like I'm sick of this shit <laughs> like are you, yeah. where, where are you with it you know what it's it's still a little bit of both like sometimes I'm like 
Now, why'd you even say that to me? Why'd you even, like, I'll never forget. I was waiting with a couple of friends for like an Uber after like turning up at some party or whatever. Mm-hmm. We're chilling on the curb waiting for the Uber. This random guy comes walking by me and was like, oh, you're such an inspiration. I saw you up in there turning up, blah, 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 and all this other stuff. And I'm like, now, why'd you say that to me? Why is, because I'm turning up an inspiration for you. Because you didn't say it to the friends that I was partying with alongside the entire night. Mm-hmm. Why, why aren't they your inspiration right. for them coming out and having a good time too? So that's the kind of stuff that gets on my nerves that I'm like, Ugh, I'm so over it. Or, you know, but one thing I do appreciate and I do give grace to is when people are actively trying to have a conversation yeah, with me. Yeah. And I could tell that they're trying to do it the appropriate way. Right. Um, and I see that. So uh, um, <laughs> as a disabled um, dis- <laughs> like, yes, disabled person with a disability, you know, people get nervous about it. Um, so those are the people that I'm like, oh, it's cool. I can have a conversation um with you but it's still the people that are just like they think they're doing me a favor by giving me a compliment mm, right right like when they come from that perspective I'm like eh whatever <laughs> unless it's like genuine like oh I really love your outfit or you know I think you're pretty or whatever the case is fine but if that oh you're pretty for a wheelchair you know to be in a wheelchair and all those kind of weird and I'm not w- with that but I guess I have kind of learned like Again, because I know it's a, an entire social deconditioning that, you know, it's just it's just part of my life that, you know, you're just going to have to deal with. <laughs> you deal with it, yeah. When you're dealing with yeah. it, wonderful. I mean, your, your vibrance, like you said, it, it pops. Um, you're talking about numbers, anything else, you, you, you come with it. So I wanted to ask you, do you ever feel that? Because I always see you just alive and light. And I, and I was thinking about the, you posted recently about, I don't know if it was, it was a, you made this up. You posted about someone, um, it was like Instagram asking you to, you're making fun of someone asking you to do to do something, do work, show up, whatever, social media influence, but no money or something like that. What do you think I'm going to say to you? No. Correct. Goodbye. Yes, <laughs> yes, 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 yes. yes. Hilarious. Exactly. Because exactly. it's real. It's very real. Because it's like, you know, if y'all not bringing a bag, then what are we talking about? Like, Mm -hmm. I know brands, like it's common for a lot of brands to hit up influencers, right? And be like, oh, post in exchange for product. But from what I know this from having conversations with friends who are non-disabled and then Mm -hmm. friends who are disabled, how those offers are always treated differently. Like our contracts are always a little less money than said person, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And so, but everyone wants to use disability to say that they're inclusive, to Mm -hmm. say that they're part of the movement when really I know the difference of genuinely, like a brand genuinely wanting to be inclusive to tell the story of people with disabilities and those that are tokenizing my existence to be able to check off their little box of, right, right. oh, we included a person with a disability. And it's just mm-hmm. like, but you're asking me to do something that isn't highlighting who I am. 
right. and my personality and how I show up in the world. So that's when it's like, okay, I see what y'all doing. That ain't it. We not have hilarious. It. Hilarious. Not happening. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's well, let's segue into you as a business person, entrepreneur, yeah. because um first of all, just tell me what made you decide to go into business? Was it I have to, I need to, or I really want to? Um, I would say like a little bit of both. The interesting part is, you know, I've been thinking a lot about like just my life in general. I do like these random reflections. And I remember as a kid, like playing with my cousins, I used to take my grandma's briefcase and like one of her blazers and literally would play pretend like I was a boss, like running my cousins, telling my cousins, oh, did you fax this? This is like literally playing complete pretend. So I think it's always been in me to want to be a boss, to be an entrepreneur. And so with the opportunity of, um, well, first I was working a nine to five job at a time in my life. And, um, at the time I had a boss, not the one that we mutually know, the one right before her. her. Yes. That boss at the time, um, she kind of gave me like one of those, like pulled me into her office and like gave me one of those speeches of like, Lauren, you're not really doing your work the way that you should be doing it. You know, you're laughing a lot at your desk and blah, blah, blah. (laughs) Mind you, I am getting my work done. I'm hitting my deadlines. I'm doing the work that I was told to do because I'm laughing at my desk. I have to listen to funny, I'm in (laughs) stuff so I have to listen to funny things to get through the work like that's just my process and so it just gave very like if you don't tighten up you're gonna lose your job and so from there it triggered me because what that boss didn't know is if you were to fire me today I have to get back on government assistance, which is only $750 a month max. Um, I won't be able to pay my rent. I won't be able to feed myself anymore. And you're knocking me out of having health benefits Mm. for someone like myself is imperative in order to, you know, survive and Mm -hmm. so you're just thinking of it as just like oh just little old employee when you technically have complete control over my livelihood wow I didn't like that now if I was an out-of-pocket employee then I'd be like okay maybe Mm -hmm. I'm better at hitting my deadlines but I wasn't and so the fact that you could take all of that away from me because you're just not a fan of my work process Mm -hmm. I wasn't feeling that And so that was the initial in adulthood drive to be like, okay, I need to be an entrepreneur. I need to take control of my livelihood because I can't let other people control how I'm able to survive or not. I can't, that just doesn't make me comfortable. And so that's when I started my YouTube journey with Mm -hmm. pretty and then that just blew up into all these other opportunities that I'm, you know, involved in now. Awesome. Let's talk about that. So w- talk about your journey a bit from 
you know, I'm, I'm really fascinated right now with this idea of solopreneur, you know, I'm making this enough money to pay my bills to being like a full-on entrepreneur, small business owner with a team. So I want to talk to you about two things. I want to talk to you about your journey from sitting pretty, like that journey from Lola Love, you know, yeah. living that, like what, what was the journey for you to say, I'm going to start here, go here, this business and that, you know. Yeah. So I started my YouTube channel in 2015 called Sitting Pretty. And the goal of the channel was just to create content, sharing my life to show that people with disabilities do go out and travel. They do turn up and have fun, but also mm -hmm. sharing the reality, like my fears around having a disability and, you know, um, just things that I have to like figure out how to, you know, adjust to because I have a disability and just sharing that and wanting to build community. Obviously the intention was to also get paid. So that way, you know, I can take control over my livelihood. But what ended up happening is as the channel began to grow and become popular, that's when I was attracting all of these different brands that wanted to work with me because they liked the messaging and the content that I was already creating. So those brands would come to me and say, hey, we would love for you to post on our behalf, or we love to feature you in our next campaign for, you know, said collection or whatever the case is. So I, that's when I started doing the modeling thing, because still mm. figure adaptive is one of the leading clothing brands that have adaptive pieces for people with disabilities. And because I was already showing that I was naturally a fashionable person on my channel that I cared about fashion on my channel, it was just a natural synergy to have me be part of their campaigns. And so that's when I pivoted into doing a lot more modeling. But because that turned into its own platform, I started getting the attention of you know, uh, my agent was able to start pitching me for to be cast in commercials or movies or TV or film in those areas. And so one day my agent hit me up and was like, hey, there's these indie filmmakers making this film called Give Me Liberty. They're specifically looking for a young black woman who's a wheelchair user. Would you be interested in you know, auditioning. And I was just like, well, I mean, if the shoe fits, why not? I'm, I'm going to try it. And so I did. And I ultimately did it because at the end of the day, I knew even from starting on my YouTube channel, what my why was like, why mm. am I creating this content? Why do I want to do this? And why am I doing it this way? So I always understood. And at the end of the day, anything I did, I always told myself, is this um, a representation of people with disabilities? And is it authentic? And is it honoring the character's humanity or my humanity, depending on whatever the project may be? As long as it wasn't compromising my moral compass or my values, I was always open to whatever the opportunity was. And so even though I had never acted a day in my life prior to Give Me Liberty, I knew what the representation mm. mean when people watch this film and that why was way more important to me than my own fears around whether or not I can actually pull off this role. Mm. And so that's how I started getting into acting. And then all of the opportunities that 
came from that, just from exposure to networking at different parties, to going to different events and having all these experiences and meeting people and building relationships with people, you know, over time, um, that has now led me to, you know, just other opportunities and then quarantine hit. And then mm -hmm. that was its own, that's its own <laughs> time within itself. But I think even during quarantine, that was another opportunity to pivot, right? Because all of my work up until that point, public speaking and modeling was on sets with hundreds of people. It was mm. me having to be around big groups of people and audiences and all that stuff. So I essentially had no value anymore. Mm. So I, so that was the next pivot into entrepreneurship of, well, what can I do that isn't reliant on big groups of people, big audiences, and how can I still um, like work in my why mm. while being limited to having like these big audiences and, you know, being on sets with a bunch of people. So that's when I started leveraging my social media 10 times harder. That's okay. when I was doing live chats and, um, you know, public speaking, Zoom calls and all those other things. And then that ended up leading me back into auditioning. And then I booked Sex Lives. Love it journey i love it i love the pivot like recognizing the time you're in what's going on in the world okay what next versus saying oh woe is me so that like segues into what i want to ask you next about multiple streams of income because mm -hmm. what the first thing that came came up for me when i thought about, i want to have lolo on, on the podcast was we, we you know we work with a lot of creatives i work with yes. a lot of consultants a lot of people have up and down income and I'm such a champion for people who like believe in multiple streams of income who go get it because if you, for example, are an actress, an actor, and you're waiting for someone to hire you, and that's all you're doing, yeah. your value then gets tied to that person, something outside yourself that's saying that, okay, you're good enough now, you're not. Yeah. Or a pandemic happens, you know, or things happen. And so um, I want to talk about what made you, well, you kind of answered a little bit. So maybe we'll just go yeah. a little bit more to multiple streams of income, like, what what made you uh let's say what or why didn't you choose just one thing to focus on like because you because you also yeah. have like not just that you're saying I'm going to do something else but you have your talents vary you know I think well I've never <laughs> I think a big part of it is because it's just my personality okay. to just not want to stick in one place at a, I move constantly like I don't know what it is it's like as soon as I hit the three-year mark in one place I'm like I'm ready to go somewhere else I want a different environment so I I have this thing where I'm like I've never been the one to like really just stick to one thing but also I remember so I'm big on interviews like I love watching mm -hmm. and listening to interviews from people that are in positions that I admire and kind of learn their stories. So I remember what, I can't remember exactly who it was, but um, I remember just watching an interview and learning that the average millionaire has seven streams of income. Mm 
Mm. And so that had always stuck with me because I'm like, well, I want to be a millionaire, you know, so I got to come up with seven streams to do this thing. And the more I started getting into acting and recognizing what the real process was, because again, before Give Me Liberty, I had never acted before. So mm-hmm. now after Give Me Give Me Liberty and then booking Sex Lives, now I'm an actress. So now I'm in that, uh, you know, that that road of being an actress, right? Like I'm in that journey, that process. And so when I learned how it worked and knowing like you can audition, no matter how good you were, no matter how talented or how much you practice, if you're just not what they're looking for, you won't get the role. Right. And it has, and it's not a reflection of your talent. It's not a reflection of how much work you actually put in prior to is genuinely like what they're not looking for. And in the same breath, you can go in and kill it so good that they're like, wow, we didn't even know we were looking for someone mm-hmm. like you. And because you don't have a control over that, like it's literally out of your control as a performer, my thing was, okay, well, how do I leverage my time to create something that's still in the vein of my why Mm. that isn't reliant on casting directors? Because it feels, if still feels like very similar to when I was working a nine to five job at the end of the day that boss had control of my livelihood that's why I started my YouTube and then now that I'm an actress technically my livelihood is reliant on my agent and casting directors right so mm-hmm. now it's like okay how do I pivot again and create something else so it's always just knowing the desire of wanting to have control of my livelihood while still maintaining um, the reason, like my purpose in life. Are are you ever, um, because I talked to a lot of clients and people about, are you ever afraid of of up and down income? It's not, it's not a nine to five where this is the same paycheck every two weeks. (laughs) That fear is there. It's real. It's always there. That, that, Mm -hmm. That um, haunting of sorts of like your money dwindling when your next check coming in is very real. And it's very real when you're kind of like you're working on your mainstream of income, right? You're using your mainstream of income as a support to all of your other ideas. But the risk you take with that is now what was just one pot of money that just went to basic living expenses is now cut between this idea and that idea and that idea. So technically you're splitting one pot of income four different ways. Mm -hmm. And so far at the beginning stages, them four ways ain't making no income on their own yet. <laughs> right. But right. you have to put in the money to those four different ways in order for those four different ways to start making you money. Yes. And that's just part of the process. So my thought process was, well, let me do it while I have the income. Mm-hmm. Because I know I have a better chance of getting another check from my mainstream of income while I'm hot, while people are paying attention to me, while people know that, you know, I've got something going on and being able to leverage it while I have it. Because I think a lot of times people mess up is they go, 
oh, I don't have any income right now. Now let me start. And it's like, right. well, you should have did that when you had four or five kids. Yes. Like, yeah. you know, so you could get a little bit of a head start on at the very least the initial funding for whatever your new ideas are and then being able to grow them from there. Excellent advice. Because it is investing in yourself. It's investing yeah. in the future. Investing. I love it. Um, yeah. let's, talk, let's go back to Lift Solo because you have yeah. launched site. I mean, there's a lot of content on there. So tell me your, your initial plan for this like first year out with Lift Solo. Yeah. So the initial plan for Live Solo, um, given that it's a, first off, I mean, we've done the research. So sometimes I'd be hesitant because you like, damn, maybe I did, didn't do as much research as I thought, but I'm <laughs> just going to say it. Live Solo is the first lifestyle brand dedicated to adults with disabilities that focuses on supporting independence and self-empowerment. Mm, say it again <laughs> right I know I'm like damn I should have wrote that down myself so <laughs> give me a transcript of this uh so live solo is the first lifestyle brand dedicated to adults with disabilities whose primary focus is serving independence and self-empowerment and what I mean by that is our goal at live solo is being able to create a place um, of resources, events, opportunities, products for adults with disabilities and giving them an opportunity to live their life the way they want to. And so mm -hmm. we focus on lifestyle topics like independent living, um, health and wellness, um, disability pride and awareness and using topics like that, you know, which all of that will include stuff like dating, travel, um, accessibility in the workforce, um, employment, financial freedom. Like these are all things that we're focused on. Like there's enough out there to teach us how to get a wheelchair. Mm. And, and there's enough out there to tell us oh, woe is me, living with a disability is hard. We yeah. focus on solutions at Live Solo. So for the first year, our goal is to build a team of writers to contribute to the blog portion of the website. Okay. And so what we've been doing is reaching out to fellow people with disabilities who, it doesn't have to be the same disability as mine, because that's okay. one thing that I learned after a while of creating my own content was like, I don't have all the answers about my own disability, let mm. alone the disability of others. Right. So tap into the community, bring the community here and say, hey, you have cerebral palsy. You are blind. You are deaf. How do you navigate employment from all three of those perspectives? And share with us what your tips and hacks were and what your solutions were to, you know, XYZ problem, right? And so that's what we've been doing. And we pay each contributor um, like an honorarium for writing each piece because mm -hmm. the overall goal is to be able to fully employ people with disabilities for a brand that's dedicated to them. Awesome. So that's what we're doing there is just building that 
slew of writers and contributors to the blog. And then the other component is building up the online store. And the way we envision it is being an online store of products that are accessible to people with disabilities. So we would vet these products beforehand and make partnerships with different brands to say, hey, we would love to be able to sell your product on our online store because your product, whether you knew it or not, is actually accessible to a lot of people. Mm. And so now people with disabilities, as they're trying to figure out like, man, I really love candles, but I don't have the dexterity or the strength in my hands to Mm. use a lighter. They can go on the Live Solo website and see that we sell electric lighters, which are an alternative for, you know, lighters for people, you know, who have dexterity issues. Now, mind you, we're not selling that yet. We're finding someone to partner with, but something like that, that's just an example. And so then as the writers are writing their blogs, we can now have products attached to those writers' blogs, you know, where there's synergy. So for instance, if someone was to write something about traveling with a disability, and let's say there's a certain luggage that is accessible that this particular writer found helpful, then we would hopefully be able to partner with Mm. said luggage company, attach that product to that article. So as someone's reading it, they're like, oh, I want that luggage. Well, it's already right there. Again, making it accessible for people with disabilities. So for the first year, that's what we're working on. Awesome. <laughs> that's, that's, awesome. Awesome. that's one of the many things. <laughs> that's one of the, the many things. And then of course, just overall marketing, brand awareness, building community online, building community just in general. Uh, we'll be hosting in-person events, virtual events, because that was something that I was doing during quarantine that people really loved. So I'm going to be like bringing those things back and just like really, again, building community, maximizing my why, and just, Mm. you know, doing it now, being able to recognize that my why is way bigger than me and my story, and that it was just a Mm. catalyst for the bigger message. Now, I feel like it's time for me to give back in an even bigger and more significant way. Beautiful. Any, um, you've given a lot, I was going to ask you this question, but any business tips for other creatives or people with disabilities, anyone who's like on that early entrepreneur journey wants to do it, has just begun to do it? You know, what I always tell people is to just start. Mm. You're not going to be perfect out the gate and don't strive for perfection. That I tell people that people think I'm wild. I said that to someone um, who's like, Uh, a mentor of mine she's like an OG in the disability advocacy game and I told her and I told her I was just like well I'm not trying to be perfect and she was like no Lola you need to be perfect I was like (laughs) don't do that I was like no that's not my goal because if I strive for perfection I'll never start so for me the way I've always done everything is what do I already have access to Mm -hmm. whether it's my iPhone 
an iPad mm. or because when I started my YouTube channel, I was using an iPad mini as my camera and ah. setting it up on my windowsill and just shooting on the weekends in the middle of the afternoon and using the sun as my lighting. Light. So wow. That's how I started my YouTube channel because that's all I had at the time. And so then it just grew, grew, grew from there. So it's always about literally just starting. Who do you already mm. know that you feel like would, you know, help you? Like, do you got a friend that you're like, hey man, come over here on Saturday and just hold this sign up behind me while I shoot my video or whatever, or whatever you're trying to do. Just start, use the resources start. that you already have. Look to your left and your right, as Issa, you know, would say, look to your left and your right to see who you can build and work together with. And then just go from there. You'll grow into what you want, but just know even when you get there, you're going to want to grow into something else past that. So there is no like perfect. You don't have to get the perfect camera, the perfect background, the perfect right. like that. Set it up in front of a window and start. <laughs> you know? Just start. Just start. Um, I want to ask you, um, what's next? <laughs> I know you got something next. You got stuff percolating all the time. What's so next? So many things happening. Um, so what's next? Well, you know, Sex Live season two happening. Um, you know, I am currently working on a book right now. It's a book about the power of decision-making. So I touch on a lot of those moments in my life where I had to pivot and kind of, you know, just encouraging people to make those decisions in their lives. Um, so that book is out. Um, and what else? Oh, and then of course, just building Live Solo. Like Live Solo is my new baby right now. So yeah. that anything involving that so sign up for the newsletter follow us on social media what do you uh, handles yes all the handles so for live solo on instagram twitter tiktok and facebook the handle is at live solo now at live solo now at live yes. solo now okay yes and it's spelled the way it's supposed to i didn't replace an s with a c <laughs> everything is spelled Grammatically correct. Um, <laughs> and then um, for me, just, you know, it, it's always something that I'm doing. So, you know, just follow me on social media. And my handle for social media is at it's Lolo Love, I-T-S-L-O-L-O-L-O-V-E. And uh, yeah, you'll just be able to see whatever I'm working on. <laughs> so one final question. If you could pick an avatar or a, a story character to define you as a business person, mm. as an entrepreneur, what would that be? Mm. Did, and it, is it someone that already exists? It can be. It can be made up, avatar, created. It could be someone that you like. That's that's how it would define me as an entrepreneur. I would say, I would say the person that, I look to the most is Issa Rae. Mm. Issa, you know, with her journey starting on YouTube. Yes. Ironically being on HBO as well. <laughs> and then, you know, growing into films and having her own production company and these deals. And, you know, she's got, I think like a hair care line now and like all of these different things. Like 
when I see someone like her, I see myself. And so I would say like, she's the one that resonates the most. And you know, her fashion is always on point. Her hair is always on point. So it's like, you know, she, I mean, I'm not as awkward as she is, but you know, but having a personality that stands out and memorable, you know, I see a lot of myself in her. So she is someone like a muse or like a character that I tend to kind of like, use as like a calibration of like what I want to do next and like the possibilities of what I can do with my talents lovely well thank you of course thank you for having me I appreciate you sharing and I just look forward to seeing your growth because it's amazing watching you thank you I appreciate it